The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. From Hollywood, the Hollywood Radio Theater. Harry Grant and Phyllis Baxter in I Confess. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Irving Cummings. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's play, I Confess, has one of the most unusual plots for sustained interest and suspense I have ever seen. And of course, when that master director, Alfred Hitchcock, adds his individual touch to the action... It's bound to be another screen hit for Warner Brothers. And for our stars, we have one of the finest actresses on the screen, Phyllis Thaxter, co-starring with Cary Grant, who will again prove his great versatility in a highly dramatic role. Now, I confess, starring Cary Grant as Father Michael Logan and Phyllis Thaxter as Ruth. night, the venerable city of Quebec. In the moonlight, the narrow cobbleside streets are all but deserted. A man, wearing the cassock of a priest, has darted into the rectory of a church. He sheds the cassock, and now he enters the church itself. Who is it? Who's there? It's Father Logan. Oh, Father Logan. I did not recognize you in the dark. Is that you, Keller? Yes, Father. What are you doing here this time of night? I... I came in to pray. Is something wrong? Can I help you? No one can help me. I have abused your kindness. How? You who gave my wife and me a home here, right with the church. A job, even friendship. To me, a refugee, a German. Now you will hate me. No, no, I don't hate anyone, Keller. Well, you will hate me. But it was for her, for my wife. She worked so hard, Father. It breaks my heart. Keller, what is it? I must confess to you. I want to make a confession. All right, we'll go to the confession. Yes, yes. I want you to hear my confession. So, you 
have been to the house of Mr. Villette. Go on, Keller. Yes, Villette, the lawyer. I killed Mr. Villette. Keller. I went to steal his money. I wore a cassock. If anyone saw me, they would think I was a priest. I was looking for the money when Villette surprised me. I did not mean to kill him. You must believe me, Father. I did not mean to kill him. No. No, you didn't do it. Otto, you did not kill him. I have just come from confession. Oh. Father Logan is my priest. You are my wife. It is right that you should also know. But why, Otto? Why? I am not a murderer. It was an accident. It was the money. How could I watch you work so hard? I lie awake night after night and I think all we need is $2,000, Alma. With $2,000, we can start a new life. And Villette was rich. Oh, oh, it's so dangerous. They will catch me. They will hang me. I cannot. I cannot. Father Logan will go to them. He will tell them. He will tell them? No, he cannot tell them what he heard in confession. The police will come. Why, Alma? Why should they come? I have told them nothing, have I? Alma, no one knows. Father Logan knows. But he cannot tell them what he heard in the confessional. Can't you understand that? What are you going to do? Nothing. Nothing at all. In the morning, you are going to the police. Tomorrow is Wednesday, Alma. Isn't that the day when I attend to Mr. Villette's garden? But he is dead. I always work in Mr. Villette's garden on Wednesday. <laughs> Tomorrow is Wednesday. Now go to bed. You need to rest. Rest. Can I help you, Father? We're trying to keep this crowd away from the house. You are the police? Yes. You've heard, haven't you, Mr. Vallette's been murdered. Yes. I had an appointment here this morning. With Vallette? Yes. Is, uh, is there anything I can do? Well, if you had an appointment, you better go in the house, uh... Do you mind? Not at all. Inspector LaRue's in there. Maybe he'd like to talk to you. Father Michael Logan, huh? What church, Father? The Church of San Marie, Inspector. Well, how are Father Millet and Father Benoit? They're both very well, thank you. Good. So you had an appointment with Vallette? Yes. Anything special? No, there was something... You've heard what's happened, of course, Father. Oh, we've got Keller in the next room. Keller? He works at the rectory, doesn't he? Uh, Yes, he and his wife work there. Poor devil's terrified. I've been waiting for him to settle down. I see. It was Keller who found the body. You don't mind if we call on you later. No, I'll be at the church. Maybe that we'd like to know what your appointment was all about, eh? Well, I'd better see Keller now. Yes, well, goodbye, Inspector. All right, Murphy, bring him in, will you please? I have told policemen. I have told them everything. There's no need to be frightened, Keller. Now, how did you find the body? This morning I arrived as usual at half past eight. I came inside. You have a key to this house? No, the door was open. It frightened me. An open door? Why? The door was always locked. I went in, and there he was. I could see that he was dead. I wanted to run. Run? You do not understand. How can you? There I was, a man without a country, alone, discovering a murder. 
I thought of the police. I am always afraid of the police. This is a German fear, this fear. There's nothing to be afraid of here. Yes, Thank you, sir. Father Logan is here? I heard them say that Father Logan... Well, he was here. He's gone now. What will he think of me? Probably very highly, if you can be of more help to us. Help? There are a few things I'd like to know. Now, when you first came into the house, did you call for Mr. Valero? Father Logan. Please, we can't talk here. But is it true? It's true, Ruth. Valette's been murdered. I can't believe it. Michael, we're free. We're free. Harley, goodbye, Ruth. Father Logan? Come in, Keller. The police, they sent me home. I must talk to you, Father. Why? Why did you come to Villette's house? I know what you must think of me, but I can't give myself up. They would hang me. Has not God forgiven me thanks to you? But the police never would. I don't know what you're talking about. I confess to you. It was my confession. You must tell me what to do. There, there's nothing I can add to what I've already said. Uh, you are so good, Father. It's easy for you to be good. Have you no pity for me? Otto? Alma? Father Benoit here. Will you please mend the tire on his bicycle? Yes, yes, right away. The front tire. You left it at the back door. Please, Father. You, you'd better go now and fix the tire. That's about it, Mr. Robertson. I said to myself, you're in no position to go to the Crown Prosecutor. You've got nothing to give him. But I'm here just the same, Mr. Robertson. Oh, you're quite a man, Inspector. Quite a man. Now, we know that Bullett was murdered. Strangled. And that robbery may have been the motive. But we're not certain. And no fingerprints and no suspects. Well, this should be very simple for you, LaRue. I uh, took the liberty of bringing a girl along. A girl? Schoolgirl. Oh. Murphy's got her out there in the hall. Just a possibility, Mr. Robertson. All right, LaRue. Let's hear what she's got to say. Thank you, sir. So, you are Augustine. Yes, monsieur. Sorry you had to be dragged out from school, young lady. Oh, but I like to be dragged out from school, monsieur. Well, this is Mr. Robertson. He's the Crown Prosecutor. Now, your mother called to say that you passed the Villette house last night. That's right. And what time was that? Eleven o'clock. A little after eleven. I was babysitting for Ma Madame Germain, and I left her house at eleven o'clock. Well, uh, shall we say the time was between eleven and eleven-thirty? Yes. And I saw someone leaving Monsieur Villette's house. A man. A priest, Monsieur. What? A priest. Augustine... This is very important. Are you sure? Quite sure, monsieur. I was walking by the Rue Valentin, and then suddenly there was this priest. He was coming out of the house and walking away. Did you see his face? No. How tall was he? Like, like you, monsieur. And was he fat or thin? Not fat, but not thin either. Did you notice anything special about him, anything at all? No. Did he see you, Augustine? I don't think so, monsieur. But you are absolutely sure he was a priest? Yes. Thank you. You may go now. Oh, uh, I must ask you a favor. I don't want you to say anything to anyone about this. Promise? Oh, yes, monsieur. Goodbye. Goodbye, little one. And if you should need me again... Yes? It would be very nice if you could drag me out of school. 
You know what this means. We'll have to check every rectory in town, find out which priests were out late last night. Uh, it's ridiculous to think a priest would be involved. LaRue, you don't really think it could be a priest? Yes, maybe. There was a priest this morning who... Well? Nothing. I'll have to check further. But don't be so mysterious. Well, I should know something more by tomorrow. Good day, Mr. Robertson. And thank you. Evening, Keller. Father Logan. Do you suppose I could see him? Father Logan? Mm. Oh, sit down, please. I'll see if I can find him. Thank you. Who at the door? A man. A man oh. to see Father Logan. They drove away in the man's car. Alma, have you washed the cassock? N- not yet. Where is it? Upstairs in our room. Do not wash it. I do not want it washed. But why? Listen to me. There is something you must never forget. I suppose we might have had this little talk at the rectory, Father. Hope you don't mind coming here to my office. Not at all. As long as Father Millet knows where I am. You told him? Yes. Unpleasant bit of business, isn't it, Father? If there's anything I can do... Well, just a few questions. Now, how long have you been at St. Marie's? Nearly three years. You know, I guess I've known Father Millet for 25 years. I was a choir boy when he was over at the Basilica. Yes, he told me tonight what a fine voice you have. <laughs> He's just forgotten, that's all. I uh, hear you were in the Army. Yes. Got the military cross, hmm? Yes. You seem to have done a number of brave things. Well, I survived. Are you given to understatement, Father? Well, that depends. Now, this case, this Villette murder, it's all understatement so far. You knew Villette, right? Yes, slightly. Well, then maybe you can help me. What was he like, Father? Oh, I didn't know him well. Well, did you know him socially or in a business sort of way? Actually, neither. I met him once many years ago. Mm-hmm. Cigarette? Uh, thank you, no. It's a funny thing. No one seems to have known this Villette, really known him. Yet he was a lawyer, had clients. Not one of them has any information that means anything. May I ask what you were going to see him about yesterday morning? Well, that, uh, that was a personal matter. Well, were you acting for someone, Father? One of your parishioners, perhaps? Uh, I can only tell you that my visit had nothing to do with Villette's death. Oh, of course it didn't. But you do understand, don't you, that I must consider every scrap of information. Yes. When a crime's been committed, each scrap of information is important to us. Of course. I know sometimes it seems like, well, like prying. It can be very embarrassing. Oh, I'm not embarrassed, Inspector. Good. Well, I've been wondering about that lady you met outside Vallette's house. She was in that crowd out there. I just happened to glance out the window when I saw you talking to her. Inspector, the appointment I had with Vallette could not be of any importance to you. Oh, but we're not discussing that at the moment, Father. You see, with a murder, one has to jump from one detail to another. Forgive me, I guess I jumped too abruptly for you. Well, perhaps I just don't follow as fast as you jump. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, I have a methodical mind. I have to take things one by one. Well, about this lady you met out there on the sidewalk. I wish I could discuss it, but I can't. May I ask who she is? 
She isn't involved. Excuse me, Father, but that's something for me to decide. I know, I know. But you'll have to take my word for it. She's not involved. Your word. I respect your word. But I need help. I'm not able to help. I see. I just don't want all this mystification to make things too awkward for you, Father. Awkward for me? A priest was seen leaving Vallette's house at the time of the murder. I saw a priest outside Vallette's house the next morning. Well, Father? Well? Too much mystification might lead one to believe that both priests were one and the same, mightn't it? What do you have to say? What would you want me to say? That's up to you. Well, then, I'd say that a man of intelligence would not be led to believe anything on so little evidence. You're perfectly right. We've checked on every priest in Quebec. Each can account for his movements at the time of the murder. That is, each, except one. Where were you at 11 o'clock, Father? I was walking. Alone? No. Good. Now, if you'll just give me the name and address of the person... I can't. Father, don't you want to help me? I've done my best. But you refuse to answer my question. I know, I know, and I'm sorry. But it isn't possible for me to answer them. It's a pity. A great pity. But I thank you for coming, Father. Good night. Good night, Inspector. This is LaRue. Get me Mr. Robertson. Yes, yes, the Crown Prosecutor. Try his house. If he isn't home, find out where he is. I've got to talk to him. You know, sometimes a soldier finds his greatest opportunities for service in something outside the line of duty. Such a man as Sergeant Werner Krenzer. He's been in the Army for eight years. He's known frontline warfare in the Pacific and occupation duty in Japan. As a veteran soldier, he's used to destruction. But he saw destruction through the eyes of a child when he was assigned to the United Nations Civil Assistance Command. This is a unit which provides aid for homeless Korean civilians. Sergeant Krenzer's heart went out to the hungry, sick, frightened children that he found everywhere. And then he got an idea. More than food and shelter, he realized these children needed love. And there were thousands of homeless women refugees wandering around, looking for their children, their families. Krenzer wasn't able to find each mother's own child, but he could ask her to care for a deserted waif. And so, these childless mothers took the motherless children and cared for them. And the women were given hope that their own children might find the same kind of refuge. Even though they still live within the sound of guns and planes, there's new faith and hope in their eyes. Such acts by you and your friends today are shaping our world of tomorrow. Now our producer, Mr. Cummings. Act two of I Confess, starring Cary Grant as Father Michael Logan and Phyllis Thaxter as Ruth. It's a few moments later. Mr. Robertson, the Crown Prosecutor, is not at home. But Inspector LaRue has found him. He's been a guest tonight in the home of some old friends. Pierre Granfort and his wife, Ruth. Sorry, Ruth. Looks like I've got to say goodnight. That phone call just now. It's about that Villette murder. Don't look so unhappy, Willie. Well, there's a very unpleasant angle. 
A priest is under suspicion. What nonsense! Well, he was seen leaving Villette's house. Which priest? Do they know his name? Inspector LaRue thinks it's a Father Logan from St. Marie's. Well, I hate to leave. Thanks for a lovely dinner. Good night, Willie. Oh, no, no, don't come to the door. See you soon, Pierre. Stop worrying. It's ridiculous. Why on earth would Father Logan... Shut up. Oh, please, shut up. I'm sorry. You're still in love with him. Am I? You never spoke about it. And I'm not going to speak about it but now. But you are going to speak about it. I'm not going on like this. Do whatever you wish. It's very simple, isn't it? What does one do when his wife's in love with a priest? You can leave me. How easily you can say that. I'm not in love with you. I have never been in love with you. You know that. I never wanted to believe it. That's not my fault. I've never pretended anything with you. I hope he's in trouble. Terrible trouble. Oh, my God. My God. Hello? St. Marie's Rectory? I want to speak to Father Logan, please. Father Logan? Oh, but he is asleep. I'm not asleep, Mrs. Keller. Oh. oh, it is very late. I'll take it. Thank you. Good night, Father. Hello? Michael, I've got to see you. Oh. Ruth, please. That's impossible. I've got to see you tomorrow morning. I've got to meet you somewhere. Michael, aren't you listening? Uh, I hear you. I'm going to Levis tomorrow morning. The ferry, Michael. The nine o'clock ferry. All right. Good night. Well, good morning. Good morning, Father Logan. Walk over here. We shouldn't be seen together for your sake. I have to see you. Ruth, the police have been questioning me. They saw the two of us talking outside of Villette's house. They're trying to find out who you are. I don't care. I've got to tell you, you're being suspected. I know that. The only thing is for me to tell them that you were with me that night. You can't. They want to know why. I'll tell them everything if I have to. You've got to think of yourself. You've got to think of your husband. Think of him before I think of you. I've never been able to do that. You must. It's too late to think of him. I'm not that good. I love you. I've always been in love with you. I know, I know it's wrong, but I can't help it. Do you want me to lie to you? I don't want you to lie to yourself. I haven't changed, Michael. I've been married seven years and I haven't changed. But I've changed. And you must understand. I'm a priest. I chose to be what I am. I believe in what I am. Michael. I want you to see things as they are and not go on hurting yourself. Don't pity me. Our meeting like this is wrong. It's all wrong. It won't happen again. I won't bother you again. Goodbye. Ruth. Ruth, who was it? Who just telephoned? Willie Robertson. He wants me to come to his office now. Why? I was seen on the ferry this morning with Michael Logan. Apparently, I was being followed by a detective. Would you like to tell me what you're going to do? Answer whatever questions they ask me. I, I'm going to tell them why Michael could not have killed Villette. Oh. Has Father Logan cleared himself to your satisfaction? He didn't have to. I was with him at the time. Would you 
like me to go with you? I'm in no position to ask Davis, am I? Get ready. I'll get the car. Thank you. Ruth. Yeah, I'm so terribly sorry about all this. Oh, this is Inspector LaRue. Good evening. Inspector LaRue has promised to keep all this from the press. That is, I'll, I'll do my best. Oh, please, won't you sit down? Thank you. Father Logan is here. Here? Yes, the other room. If you'll join us, Father, please. Good evening, Father Logan. Good evening. Good evening, Father Logan. May we begin, please? What is it you want to know? Madame, you met Father Logan on the ferry this morning. Yes. May I ask the reason for this meeting? I don't think the reason could help you, Inspector. You also met Father Logan on the morning following Vallette's murder in front of the house. Yes. And the reason for this meeting? I had an appointment with Monsieur Vallette. But Father Logan, knowing of the murder, stopped you from entering the house. Am I right? Yes. Of course, Father did not know you had an appointment. But he did know. The night before, I'd met Father Logan. I told him I was going to see Vallette at half past nine the following morning. Madame, just so I don't misunderstand... You met Father Logan on the night that Vallette was murdered? Yes. Where? We took a drive in on my car. At what time, please? Between 9 and 11. Are you sure of the time, madame? Yes, I, I came home just after 11. My husband had come in just five minutes before. That's correct, Inspector. You, uh, you told your husband that you'd just seen Father Logan? No, I, I did not tell my husband. Inspector, I beg you, must your questions be so personal? Madame... Do you understand why I must ask these questions? Yes. And I came here to tell you that Father Logan could not have been involved in Monsieur Vallette's death because I was with him at the time. I accept everything you have said, madame. But I must know the reason for your appointment with Vallette. Vallette was blackmailing me. He... he was what? I met Father Logan to ask his advice. But... Your husband? You had not told your husband about this? No, no, it was nothing to do with my husband. You turned to Father Logan for advice, but not to your husband. Father Logan is an old friend. Then he knew that you were being blackmailed. How could he? I hadn't seen him in years. But you just called him an old friend. Inspector LaRue. Yes, just a moment, LaRue. My wife is not under oath. She doesn't have to answer these questions. Monsieur, I have only one more question. Why were you being blackmailed, madame? You needn't answer that. Why shouldn't she? Ruth, it isn't necessary. Don't answer. Madame, are you trying to protect Father Logan? From what? He hasn't done anything. It would seem as if he had. You don't care whom I hurt, do you? Just as long as I answer your question. Madame, a man has been murdered. Ruth, if you... If you think you'd like the advice of a lawyer... Thanks, Willie. I don't think that would be necessary. The blackmail was about me and Father Logan, Inspector. You were aware of this, Father? Yes. If you will continue, madame. I'll have to go back a long time to the beginning of the war. It was long before Michael had entered the church. He was working then for the government. And we, we'd fallen in love. He was one of the first to volunteer. I hated him for that. I was selfish even then. He took things so seriously. War and love. Yes, even love. I begged him to marry me before he left, but he wouldn't. It seems so long ago. Ruth, how could you talk about getting married? 
You know I'll be shipping out soon. Oh, but darling, that's why I want to marry you. Oh, my, aren't there enough widows as it is? Michael. You think I don't love you enough. I love you too much. Much too much. Don't you see? There's just no telling when I'll get back. Or uh, if I ever will. Meanwhile, you'd better forget about me. How can you say that if you love me? Ah, uh, if I love you. There never can be anyone else. Never. Ruth, won't you understand? It's so unfair to you. You think it's fair to tell me to forget you? <laughs> you know something? You're a very stubborn girl, huh? His letters were long at first. But after a while, there were no letters at all. Nothing. Not a word. For over a year. Meanwhile, I'd started working for my future husband. Pierre was... He was... Ruth, you don't have to tell them. You don't have to tell them anything more. I want to. You were very kind to me, Pierre. You realized I was unhappy. Like all kind people, you never asked me why. I was in love with you. Anyway... Six months later, we were married. When the war was over, Michael came home. I was at the dock the day the boat arrived. We arranged to meet the following afternoon. It was a lovely day, the end of the summer. We took the ferry and went over to the island. We started to walk, and Michael told me the thoughts that had come to him during the war. The war had changed him. Then suddenly a storm came won't do at all, will it? You don't even have a jacket. Oh, what's a little rain? Come on, let's run for it. There must be some place we can go. Where are we, anyway? Oh, I don't know. It was a beautiful meadow a minute ago. Oh, you're getting soaked. Oh, look, there's a house across the field. Maybe they'll never stay there. The house was closed, Inspector. Locked. The storm grew worse. There was a summer house in the garden, a roof and lattice and ivy. It was the only shelter we could find. Sometime during the night, the rain stopped. It was sunlight that awakened me. Michael was seated at a table, his head on his arms, and he was still asleep. And then a man came walking through the garden. Well, I've been entertaining guests, I see. He called again, and Michael wakened. What a charming rendezvous. I trust you and the lady were not disturbed during the night. But what a compromising situation, monsieur. Michael, no, don't. If you only defend your honor, madame. Get out. Get out. From my own garden. That doesn't give you the right to insult Madame Granville? Oh, yes, I know, madame. Ruth? That is, I know of her husband, a distinguished member of parliament. I've seen you quite often, madame. Waiting for him in your car. Oh, how exciting it must be to be young. Young and... This man. The letter? The letter. What could I say to Michael? I hadn't told him I was married. Father. Let her continue. I didn't see Michael again for five years. Nor the letter either. Not till the day that Michael was ordained a priest. Follette attended the ceremony. And after that, I started to run into him all the time. One day as I left the house, he was waiting for me on the side. And those are the facts, Madame Grandfort. 
If I don't act quickly, there'll be a terrible tax scandal. Only your husband can help me. Then go to my husband. There's nothing I can do. But your husband is so righteous, madame. You, uh, you could persuade him to use his influence, couldn't you? You can't be serious. Madame, must I tell your husband about you and Father Logan? Must I? There's nothing you can tell him. We did nothing wrong. Think it over. I'll give you 24 hours. I was helpless, frantic. If the let started to talk, Pierre's Korean politics would be finished. I thought that maybe Michael might help. I telephoned him at the rectory. We met that night. As we drove around the city, I told him what had happened. I want you to take me back to the rectory, Ruth, and uh, then I want you to go home. What are you going to do? Leave the left to me. I'll talk to him. Then you, uh, can you meet me in front of his house tomorrow morning, say, at uh, 9.30. Yes, yes, of course. It'll be all right, Ruth. Villette will listen to reason. Don't worry about it. So that explains your appointment with Villette. Yes, I see. I arrived at 9.30. I couldn't understand why the crowd had gathered. Then I saw Michael, and he told me Villette was dead. I couldn't believe him. I was free. The rest you know. Some of it, anyway. Inspector... May my wife leave now? Certainly. Father Logan has his alibi now, doesn't he, Willie? Of course. Thank you. Ruth, come. Good night. Thank you, madame, for your help today. Would you like to go now, Father? I said, would you like to go now? Hmm? Go? It's been a terrible ordeal. You're very grateful. Yes. Good night. Well, it's over, Inspector. Is it, sir? I'd like you to see this report. What report? Dr. Bonard, the autopsy surgeon. He claims that Valette could not have died before 11.30. Oh, wait Madame a moment. Madame Brownforce said that she left Father Logan at 11. You can do a lot of things in 30 minutes. I had never quite understood why Father Logan should have killed Valette. But now I think I can understand. And I thought it was over. I'm afraid not, Mr. Robertson. Only beginning. We'll continue with Act Three of I Confess in just a few moments. Make a friend and you make an ally. There's a thought for you to keep in mind as many another American has. Ever heard of Billy Brown? Well, for over a year now, young Billy, a high school senior of Yorktown Heights, New York, has broadcast a 15-minute program over the voice of America. Every Friday, in answer to some letter from a pen pal... He talks about such varied subjects as sports, stamps, religious freedom, and American jazz. The program is repeated in Urdu, a language spoken in India and Pakistan, and beamed to Asia. In one month, Billy answered 627 letters from 35 countries. When one pen pal asked about student government in American high schools, Billy tape recorded a five-minute student meeting in his school. For a while, it looked as if Billy's program might be discontinued. But it had become so successful that the local Rotary Club set up a special committee to raise funds for its continuation and for the purchase of postage and stationery so Billy could continue to correspond personally with his overseas pen pals. Recently, Pakistan's ambassador to the U.S. and his family 
visited Billy at his home for a weekend. And later, the envoy invited the Brown family to Washington, where Billy received a reward for his, as the citation read, contribution to the growing spirit of brotherhood between the youth of America and the youth of Pakistan. Although Billy Brown plans to enter law school, he hopes to continue with his radio program, for, like so many other Americans, he's discovered that by helping others, you help your country. We pause now for station identification. Curtain rises on Act Three of I Confess, starring Cary Grant as Father Michael Logan and Phyllis Thaxter as Ruth. It's very early the following morning, but already the phone has rung in the ground for home. An urgent call from Mr. Robertson, the prosecutor. And now Ruth has rushed to the church of St. Marie. There are people waiting at the confessional. Mr. Robertson's home. They're going to arrest you. Oh, Michael, what can we do? I don't know. You're not going to let them bring you to trial. Don't you know what that would mean? I've done this to you. I've done it all. No, no. You mustn't say that. They're going to call me as a witness. And all because of what I told them last night. They claim I've given them the motive they've been waiting for. Ruth, please. I must go now. I should have lied, but I told the truth. And now they'll twist everything I've said. They'll turn it. They'll use it. I wanted to help you. To help you. Well, it doesn't matter. There's nothing either that can do. Keller? What is it? I, I can talk to you now. You are through with confessions? Yes. You have been talking to the police asked about me. You told them about me? I'm going to be arrested, Keller. You? You are trying to frighten me. You think by telling me that I will give myself up. So what are you going to do when they arrest you? I don't know. Ah, you are frightened. Maybe they will hang you instead of me and that frightens you. But you can't tell them, can you? You can't tell them as long as you are a priest. Looking for me, Inspector LaRue? Yes, Father, yes, indeed we've been looking for you. For about three hours we've been looking for you, every policeman in Quebec. I've been walking. I've been trying to think. You can call it off, Murphy. He just walked in. You had lunch yet, Father? No. Well, let me order something for you. Oh, uh, you're under arrest. Yes, I know. Priest arrested for murder. Father Logan charged with bullet murder. Robertson plans speedy trial of accused priest. So, if you will tell the court once again, Sergeant Murphy, where did you find this priestly garment, this cassock? The rectory, sir. Father Logan's room. I found it hidden in his trunk. Hidden? Objection, my lord. On what grounds can the witness claim the article was hidden? Sustained. Sorry, my lord. 
the Crown is content to establish only the fact that the cassock was in the accused trunk. Now then, Sergeant, what did the police do with this cassock? We sent it to Dr. Bernard, pathologist at Laval University. I have his signed report here, sir. Dr. Bernard's opinion that the cassock was stained with human blood. Whose blood? The report says that the blood type is identical to that of the murdered man, Vallette. Thank you. Uh, if it please the court, the Crown would like to recall the witness whom we heard yesterday, but very briefly. Will Otto Keller take the stand? Now then, Mr. Keller, you told us yesterday that you spoke with Father Logan on the night of the murder at approximately 11.45 o'clock. Yes, sir. Under what circumstances? My wife was asleep. I was just about to go to bed, so I opened the window. I saw someone entering the church. Who? I could not tell at that distance, sir, so I went downstairs and walked out of the rectory and across to the church. I saw someone kneeling against the altar rail. As he lifted his head, I saw it was Father Logan, sir. Was there anything about his manner that seemed out of the ordinary? He seemed so distressed, sir. I asked him if he were ill. He said no. He said I should go back and leave him alone. Did you go back? No, sir. Father Logan had always been so very kind to my wife and to me. I wanted to help him if I could. Well? He told me again to leave him alone, so I went back to our room. Your witness, Mr. Crawley. The defense waves examination at this time, my lord. Waves examination. Then the Crown calls Madame Grandfort to the stand. Madame Ruth Grandfort, please. answer your questions in any other way. How can I when you repeatedly twist my words around and rephrase them? The witness will kindly confine herself to answer as to the facts. Madame Granfor, you just told us you were in love with the accused prior to the war. Yes. But what we are trying to find out is whether or not you were still in love with the accused on that night of Villette's murder. Yes, yes. Thank you. And how often had you met with him between the night at the summer house on the island and the night Villette was killed? Never, never. You want this court to believe that a woman in love doesn't make some attempt to I meet her lover? Lovely... Lord, this line of questioning doesn't seem particularly relevant. But it is, my lord. I am trying to discover whether or not Villette's blackmail was based on his knowledge not merely of a single meeting between the accused and the witness, but of a continuous, uninterrupted no, series of... No, that's not of... true! It's not true! My lord, the witness appears to be on the verge of hysteria. May I excuse her for the moment and call the accused? Does the defense object? No objections, my lord. Call the accused. Father Michael Lowe. Suppose we begin with the cassock, Father Logan. This is your cassock. No, sir. It is not mine. Then perhaps you borrowed it from someone? No. Yet it was found in your trunk. Someone must have put it there? Yes. Or can you help us by suggesting who? I can't say. Father Logan, when did you decide to become a priest? After the war. In becoming a priest, were you perhaps trying to hide from something? I've never thought of the priesthood as offering a hiding place. It involved certain responsibilities, certain morality. Yes. And yet you saw nothing wrong in having a clandestine meeting with a woman. Are you trying to imply that I was a priest at that time? I was not a priest. Well, did you consider that this woman was married? 
I wasn't aware that she was. And so you spent the whole day with her? Yes. Yes, we were good friends. I hadn't seen her in over three years. Such good friends that you made no effort to go home that night? We were caught in a storm. Oh, then the storm was the villain. I saw nothing wrong in being caught in a storm. Nothing wrong. Then why, on the following morning, did you hit the let with your fist? Were you anxious to protect Madame's reputation? Yes. Oh, then her reputation was endangered. You suddenly realized there was something more than merely being caught in a storm. Villette. Villette made insinuations. My argument with Villette had nothing to do with any sudden realization. But you hit him in anger. Yes. You hit a man when he merely intruded upon a harmless situation. Then surely you are capable of far more violence when that same man blackmails your friend, Madame Grandfort. I am not capable of murder. You would go to such a man... And unable to control your temper, unable to face a public scandal, you would turn again to physical force. No. I would not. No. You would not. You say that you and Madame separated at 11 o'clock on the night of the murder. That's right. Yes. Then it was possible for you to be at Villette's house by half past 11. Yes, it was possible, but I did not go there. I went back to the rectory. And what did you do, Father Logan? I went up to my room. Then I went downstairs and into the church. Did you see anyone there? Otto Keller. Mr. Keller has told the court that the time then was 11.45 or after. That isn't true. Then perhaps you are prepared to tell us the truth. I have told you the truth. That is all you have to say. That is all. And I say that you did not return to the rectory until 11.45 or after. That you had met with Villette that he threatened you with exposure and that you then proceeded to kill him. No! No! Prosecution rest case. Defense class circumstantial evidence. Judge charges jury. Church withholds all comment. Verdict awaited. Priest to hang if guilty. Silence! Silence! Everybody stand. Gentlemen of the jury, are you agreed on your verdict? We are. Is Michael Logan guilty of murder or not guilty? While we attach grave suspicions to the accused, we cannot find sufficient evidence to prove that he actually killed Monsieur Villette. Our verdict is not guilty. Silence! Silence! Michael Logan, while I have no doubt, as judge of this trial that the jury reached their conclusions in utmost regard for justice, I must express my personal disagreement with their verdict. Michael Logan, you are hereby discharged, and this court is adjourned. Well, Laro, I told you the cassock wouldn't be enough. They've ruined him. Why couldn't they just have said not guilty and let it go at that? Are you satisfied, Willie? Are you satisfied with all this? Do you think I enjoyed it, Pierre? Someday, perhaps, you and Ruth may forgive me. Ruth? Pierre, look. You're out the window. What are they doing to him? People are angry, madame. If he were anyone else They're but a priest... They're throwing things They're hurting him. The police will handle it. There, you see? I can't even help him now. And after all I've done to him... Larue, look. Isn't that Mrs. Keller out there? What's she doing? Yes. She's shouting something. 
She's pointing to her husband and shouting, I'd better get down there. Those were shots. Mrs. Keller. Someone shot Mrs. Keller. What is it, Murphy? What happened? He was running toward me, Mrs. Keller. She kept shouting, he's innocent. The priest is innocent. Keller was about 20 feet in back of her. He shot her twice. Where is she? They've just taken her to that chop over there. Who's getting her statement? No one, sir. She's dead. Keller? He won't get far. We're after him now. He ran into the hotel down there. I don't want him shot. Well, he's still got the gun, sir. I don't want him dead. I want to talk to him. Yes, sir. Now, where's Father Logan? He went in the shop where Mrs. Keller is. Well, Father? All she was able to say was, forgive me. We, we should have Keller in a few minutes. Now, what about him? Well, I, I'm not sure what you mean. Why did he shoot his wife? Why did she say you were innocent? I can't answer that. Keller worked in the rectory. He also worked as Vallette's gardener. What else can you tell me about it? Uh, will you let me try to talk to him? We've got to catch him first. All right, Father, come along. He's somewhere in the hotel. Thank you. What are you trying to do, Father? Protect him? I, I think we'd better go to the hotel. Cornered, Inspector. Behind those doors is a ballroom. No place to hide. Just the floor and a stage. Every exit's covered. Oh, all right, all right. I just sent Baruch for tear gas. Oh, no, please. Let me try to talk to him. No. Murphy, open the doors. Now, the rest of you stand back. Ready? Go ahead. Keller? What do you want? I want you to give yourself up. Why would I do that? You shot your wife. Isn't that enough? And what about Villette? Villette? So the priest talk. Logan, where are you, Father Logan? Keller. Ah, so you are there. How kindly you hear my confession. And then a little shame, a little violence. That's all it takes to make you talk. I'm going in there. Now get back, Father, or I'll kill you. Oh, you show yourself the hypocrite, the pretender. I thought you would rather die than to betray your faith. Keep him covered, Murphy. Yes, sir. Now get ready. Aim for Keller's shoulder, make him drop the gun. It'd be easier to hit his leg, sir. Shoulder, the right shoulder. Gonna shoot now, Keller. Drop your gun and we shoot. Oh, no. Don't make them do it, Keller. That is all you have to tell me. Oh. Oh. Drop your gun, Otto. There's been enough bloodshed. You must not come closer, Father. I'll shoot you, you know. You won't shoot me, Otto. Why will I not shoot you? Because you call me Otto in such a friendly way like Alma used to call me Otto. Where is my Alma? She's dead. No. You killed her. It is your fault. Oh, I loved her. It made me cry to see her work so hard. Her poor hands. Her poor, beautiful hands. She can't be dead. She is. And I... I am as alone as you are. Oh, no. Yes. I'm not alone. Yes, you are. To kill you now would be a favor to you. You have no friends. What has happened to your friends? Our father, they mob you. They spit at you. It would be better if you were as guilty as I. Then they would shoot you quickly. Look. Three bullets. For you, father. For you. Quickly. Get a doctor. The hotel doctor. Father, stand back, please, all of you. Forgive me. Forgive me. My hand. Hold my hand. Yes, Otto. 
you to know I'm going home with my husband. In a moment, our stars will return. Sergeant Kenneth Kaiser was the first man of the 40th Infantry Division to die in Korean combat. And his memory is perpetuated today in the Kenneth Kaiser High School, the first coeducational high school in all Korea. It's a tribute, too, to the men of the 40th who wanted a living memorial to one of their heroes. The buddies of Sergeant Kaiser raised the $16,000 that went into its construction. They planned the building, and they provided much of the labor. 285 boys and girls there proudly wear the tiny enameled metal pins that are replicas of the insignia of the 40th Division. It's a dynamic, continuing memorial that has promise of making its influence felt for generations to come. Such acts by you and your friends today are shaping our world of tomorrow. Now, Mr. Cummings, with our stars. And we call them forward for a curtain call. Cary Grant and Phyllis Thackeray. I certainly enjoyed your work in a dramatic part. Hmm. I think people are inclined to forget what a fine dramatic actor Carrie is. Well, of course, of course. Well, it was nothing. I just play anything at all. Anything from comedy to opera. Bang, bang. You sing opera, Carrie? Of course. I used to be in those romantic musicals, you know, where everybody raises a stein to dear old USC. <laughs> I even had a solo. Oh, you did? What did you sing? Um, High Barmaid. <laughs> or was it Hey Barmaid? Why don't you combine your talents and sing comic opera? Remember the... Vegas Opera? Oh, yes. Lawrence Olivia just made the famous old comic opera into a motion picture in England for Warner uh, Brothers. He's pretty versatile, too. Yeah, well, I think I'll leave singing in Shakespeare to Sir Lawrence, and I'll just stick to drama and comedy. <laughs> Very wise, Carrie. What's for next week, Irving? It's not only one of 20th Century Fox's finest pictures, but it tells the story of some of our most exciting American history. It's the great love story of Rachel and Andrew Jackson in The President's Lady. And as our stars, we'll have dynamic Charlton Heston recreating his original role. And as his co-star, lovely and talented, Joan Fontaine. Oh, that will be a wonderful show. Good night. Good night. Good night. is under the direction of Rudy Schrager. This is Ken Carpenter inviting you to join us next week at this same time for another presentation of the Hollywood Radio Theater. Hollywood Radio Theater is a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.
know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.